I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for all your support and all your messages. Um, if there's one thing I could just ask you to do, if you're really loving the show, please do just share it. Tell people and talk about it with your friends, your your colleagues, people that are involved in education. And we just want to make sure that we can share as much of this fantastic creative and inspiring learning to help all the children in our life. Now today we're going to be talking about chess and more importantly, chess for life. I'm going to be chatting to Elliot Neff and he's the founder and CEO of Chess for Life, a platform that teaches kids critical thinking skills, problem solving, EQ and other important life lessons through chess. Elliot earned the National Master in Chess title mostly through dedicated self-study and he holds the Professional Chess Coaching Certification Level 5, the highest awarded certificate by the United States Chess Federation. Numbers-wise, Chess for Life has over 70 employees and they've trained over 10,000 students and also have been recognised as one of the Inc. 5000's fastest-growing private companies. He has also written a book, A Pawn's Journey, Transforming Lives One Move at a Time, which shares true life stories of students he's encountered over his 20-plus years of coaching chess, whose lives have been significantly changed for the better by chess. Now, this is a fascinating conversation and one which I think is going to be so inspiring for so many people. So I really hope you enjoy this. My conversation with Elliot Neff, founder and CEO of Chess for Life. Hi, Elliot. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Education on Fire podcast. This is a first for us here. We've not talked about chess before, but I can just know that the, the relationship between learning and what we're going to be talking about is so invaluable. So, yeah, thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure to join you. It's uh, fun to join across the water or across the pond, as they sometimes say. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's first of all jump straight into Chess for Life and, and talk about that specifically, and then we'll, we'll wind it back into sort of how you got there. Sure. Happy to. Um, you know, Chess for Life is the most common misconception I get is, oh, you teach people how to play chess their whole life. And I'm like, no. In fact, many times I teach them how to quit chess. <laughs> and you may say, well, what in the world is that about? Well, the point is the for life is about life development through the game of chess. And you see, chess can teach so many skills, so many transferable skills if done right. Things like planning, making goals, strategic thinking, right? Problem solving. And if you do that in your life, especially from an early age, pretty quickly, you can discover that being a professional chess player is not a very good career in many cases. <laughs> so hence the chess for life. It's about life more than about chess, but chess is such an amazing educational vehicle for accomplishing goals. And what was it about sharing that message that sort of got you to the point of wanting to create it rather than, you know, I'm just going to be playing chess and, you know, to an incredibly high <laughs> level and, and I'll just keep doing that forever. 
Absolutely. That's a that's a very, very good question. Could be a little bit of a long one. So uh, let's just touch on some of those aspects. And part of my background is probably important to, to understand this piece. So I started playing chess at an early age, played in my first tournament when I was perhaps eight years old and didn't know much about the game, even the rules. I wasn't totally sure, but I loved that competition, got hooked into the game. And my journey, I eventually had uh, got so immersed into chess, I wanted to become a, a champion in our state which I committed to that at age 12. And I achieved by the time I was 15, I was high school state champion in the state of Washington, United States. I was also achieved master level in order to accomplish that goal. And I loved playing, I loved competing. But as time went on, I moved on into other fields and other careers, never imagining chess would become my life. So I worked, I owned and ran a couple of small businesses. I worked in other industries, uh, including some widely diverse ones like construction, cellular phones, online e-commerce, mail order, you name it, a broad experience. But what happened was a light bulb moment nearly 20 years ago already. And I was coaching chess part-time and loving it and enjoying helping kids, never imagining, like I said, this would be more than a pastime and an enjoyment of helping others. But what mattered to me was I want to make a difference, especially in children's lives. And I was considering going uh, back to school to finish my education, which I had dropped out of my higher ed in order to run business. And at that very moment, as I was considering the possibilities, as thinking about getting rid of the last of my chess students, the light bulb went on because of a few parents who said the same thing to me in different words at the end of our chess season out here. Their state championships was completed. Their kids had done well, and they thanked me by taking me out to dinner. And I love to share this story because I remember sitting there with several different families over a couple of weeks, and each time the conversation was so similar. They were like, hey, thank you so much. We wanted to take you out to dinner to appreciate all the work this year. It's been wonderful. Our kids have done well in chess. And by the way, here's what we've noticed. Their grades went up this year. In fact, their ability to work on, to focus on homework, we think is a big reason why. Because before they were distracted and they would come home and they could barely do 10 minutes of homework in the evening before it was like, oh, I can't focus anymore. I want to move off. And their focus increased to where they can do an hour of homework without problem. So all this has happened. Plus, they don't give up as easily and they're actually being nicer to each other. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for being a role model and a mentor. And it took several of these conversations when the light bulb went on that I was already in my field of making a difference in many people's lives. And it was just simply a matter of transitioning to proactively and intentionally going out and doing it. And that was really the founding of chess, of not chess for life yet, but of my going full-time into the field. And the founding of chess for life was a few years after that light bulb moment in 2005, when I realized I needed help to accomplish my goals. I could no longer teach all these students myself, and I needed, in order to make impact and in order to reach more kids, I needed to hire some people. And that's how Chess for Life was founded. I also started a nonprofit company the same year in order to help kids who couldn't afford the benefits. And that's how this journey began, which today is on a mission to impact a million youth per week with the educational and life skills benefits of the game of chess. And it's pretty exciting to see the growth of that. You know, many people would say, how is that possible? And are there enough chess teachers out there to do it? And I like to say, there definitely are. They just don't play chess yet. 
You see, we work with the teachers who love kids. We've empowered them with the right tools and they can bring the benefits to kids globally. So maybe that's more than you asked for, but that's a little bit of the story of how I got into Chess for Life. And through it, I really haven't had a job, I feel, in the last 20 years. <laughs> and, and, and I love that that that, that, that premise of plenty of teachers, but they just haven't started playing chess because that's exactly kind of where my head was starting to go. It's like, do you need, do you need to be, a, uh, you know, how good a chess player do you need to be to teach and, and, and vice versa? And, uh, and so how do you sort of make that transition or have that conversation with people that you know would be great in terms of sort of becoming part of your mission but maybe haven't had their own light bulb moment that this is a way they could move forward absolutely in in fact it's been a, a journey in that regard also because at first my mindset was i need to find some chess teachers some chess players and you know and they can help me in this and it was hard to find them because some really good chess players are really bad at communicating and teaching kids <laughs> you know uh in fact the prodigies in chess are probably the worst at it because they have no idea how you get there <laughs> they just are there <laughs> and so uh i like to you know the really my right-hand person in the company today is a man named Paul. And he was in college when I first met him and we were looking for an intern and, and he ultimately came and interviewed. And I like to share the story because he came to me and he was doing a dual master's degree in business and outdoor recreation. Outdoor recreation. How far can you get from the game of chess? And he came and interviewed and he, and he told me at least three times in the interview, by the way, I don't really like chess. <laughs> and you could say, well, why are you interviewing here? It was because we had posted something that said what we are really about. If you care about kids and impacting youth, that's what we're looking for. And I said, you're the perfect fit. Because when I talk, I'm a master in the game of chess and people go, oh, I guess I have to be a master. <laughs> when you talk, you say, I don't really like chess, but look at the impact we're making. <laughs> and so he was the perfect fit and he grew as an intern and then full time. And he's really my right hand uh, team member right now in bringing this to teachers. Now for teachers, right? That can often be uh, a challenge because they go chess, oh, complex. I'm not sure I can do that. So the key for us in order to impact a million youth a week, which we're not there yet, but we're making significant progress towards it, was changing that mindset. And you know, one of the mindsets that we teach at Chess for Life is the can-do attitude. If you think you can, you probably can. If you think you can't, you're always right because you just won't start or try, you see. And so with teachers, it was a matter of giving them the confidence that they truly had what it takes to bring these benefits to youth. And we've developed professional development and tools and introduction that accomplishes that in as little as 60 minutes to 90 minutes. We can take an educator who knows absolutely nothing about the game of chess. And in that short period of time, they realize they can do it and it builds their confidence and you pair that with the right tools for education. It's amazing what can happen when you do that. And we've done that now with thousands of teachers. And from a sort of practical standpoint, do you find that teachers who do sort of then sort of jump on with this, do they, do they do it as a club within school? Do they do it around school? Do they do it individually? How, how does it often work? Yes and yes. <laughs> so we, we have discovered, you know, at first it was all after school chess clubs and, and, and such. But when we're thinking about impact in education, you see, uh, let's first understand a little bit what we mean by that. So we mean, right, improving grades, improving problem solving skills, improving critical thinking skills, improving social emotional skills, improving the things that are critical 
for students to achieve success in school and out, right? That EQ, not just the IQ. Many people think of chess and they think, oh, yeah, of course, strategic thinking, you got to be smart to play chess. We're like, no. And yes, <laughs> yes, you're right, strategic thinking, but not you have to be smart to play chess because you can learn these skills and apply them. There's a connotation about the game of being smart that really, I think, has been earned because it is a complex game. But when you learn it, learn it the right way, anybody can do that. And so, you know, that is one of the key aspects of, of bridging this gap and helping the teachers learn and discover those, those pieces. Um, so not sure if that really answers your question super well, but it's the area that we really do focus in. Yeah. So then is it a question of bringing, well, how many, how many young people come in and, and are part of this? I guess it could be anything from one to one to as many as any given teacher can feel that they can sort of support in the best way. Uh, yes, exactly. So let's talk about, you know, if I was saying yes and yes to all these different areas where it's where it's brought. So it applies in one to one, in small group, in large group, in many areas. So in the after school, for example, there may be a club of many students and a teacher is facilitating the students learning together. And then when you take the aspect of the classroom, you have a teacher who knows all their students regularly, day by day, many times. And you have anywhere from 20, 30 plus students, sometimes 40. And there you have, again, a focus upon the group. And yet there's many times you do private lessons and, and such to help individual students progress further. In the educational setting, we're always looking at one to many. You want to bring the, the benefits to as many youth as you can. And it's really the students who then excel and say, I want to become like a champion in this game as well, who leverage the one to one. Otherwise, one to one is not really that critical. It's a benefit for sure, but it's not absolutely necessary, you see. So I guess you also then start to have that peer-to-peer -peer, um, bonding and, and sort of positivity as well, because there's always someone who's going to have a slightly different or expanded take on one of these areas that you're talking about that can help somebody else. And then you've got that sort of communal growth going on, which that's a really exciting thing then. Yes, you're touching on, you know, like the collaboration, right? And we talk about this mindset of better together, where, you know, you think about the chess pieces, and you think about playing a game, and many times you just think this is a by myself, you know, it's a very self sport, it's all upon me. And in fact, that's some aspects of value, because you don't hide behind a team member making a choice for you, right? It's all you, you can win, you can draw or you can learn. And there's no losing if your mindset is how to get better, you see. And you will fail, F-A-I-L, which I say stands for first attempt in learning. So there's this very individual pressure and growth, and, and it helps a person when they can embrace that mindset. But the collaboration that you're talking about comes out also, and we strive to build it. How do we use the analogy on the chessboard? I like to talk about the pieces. And... Uh, I would assume you perhaps you know how the pieces move yeah. yourself or you play a little bit of chess. Great. So there are six types of pieces. And if people are listening who don't know, well, each of them moves a different way. And the pawn is considered the weakest, smallest, right? And the queen is the most powerful, moves all directions. But the knight is the only one that gets to jump over other pieces. So each piece has a unique capability. And we talk in a chess game and as a chess master, the coordination of these different abilities is what allows you to play a strong game. 
Just because the queen is stronger than the knight doesn't mean you don't need the knight. You need to really value the differences and the unique abilities of each piece. And when you bring them together, it makes a beautiful plan and strategy. So in life, with your students and with your peers, they have different strengths and weaknesses. So as they're playing games, right, some will learn one, some will learn another. When they play a game, we teach, review that match together to learn from each other. What did you discover? Discover. You see, and in some ways, that was the secret to my becoming a master in the game of chess, because I didn't have a regular coach in one sense. But I also had hundreds of coaches in the other sense, because every person I played, I learned from. <laughs> and I would always intentionally ask them about it. Hey, in the game we just played, what do you think we could have done differently? You know, uh, what do you think I could have improved in? How could we have done this? And we would explore those possibilities. And we love to see that activity among students. So when they compete, we encourage them, take those games you just played, write them down so you have a record, and then replay them, discussing the possibilities together. So collaborative learning is a huge aspect of things we try to do. I love that. And I can I can completely understand it in that kind of safe environment, like you say, of of of, of chess for life. I'm interested to sort yeah. of understand how that works when you when you yourself played a game, because so often I can imagine people just want to sort of hanker down whether they've done well or perceive themselves not to have done so well because they want to keep everything close to their chest and 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 sort of don't feel like they're they've got that expanse that you talked about in terms of learning so did, did you have sort of i guess a wide range of, of results or conversations based on actually asking for that feedback absolutely you you touch on something i think that is very true in life and and it applies to our our view on life i think in many ways and this is why i talk about mindsets of success. And even in the book I published some time ago called A Pawn's Journey, Transforming Lives One Move at a Time, I really focus in upon these because I think they're not always understood or 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 understood in the context of, of chess and the mindsets it takes. So when I did this for hundreds of times, I had opponents who would be so, you know, proud about winning the game, they didn't want to spend any time with me and they maybe they wanted to hide secrets. Right. I had others who, when they lost the game, I would still offer to review the game because I believed we can all help each other. When I win, I can still learn more. And there's still things my opponent did that I can learn from who would just be so upset about losing. They wouldn't review it. They would try to forget it. You know, I had others who were gracious and in their win against me, they were eager to help me along my journey. You see, so I've, I've experienced all kinds, but my belief is the growth mindset the willingness to fail and learn from it and move forward. And also this collaboration mindset of the world is of a viewpoint of a world of abundance versus scarcity. You know, I don't need to hide everything I know. I can share it with others and together we can make a larger pool, a better world. And so I believe that growth mindset is key. Those who try to hang on to everything tightly, I don't think make nearly as much progress at those who are willing to share and to learn from others and to help each other. And so I found, at least in my experience. And, and I think that's what I like so much about having an organization that has a philosophy like that, that people can can experience. Because I think, like you said, you can be you can be closed off in so many ways just because that's all you've mm -hmm. known or that someone has told you or that you've experienced. And actually, what you need to know is the fact that all of these things are true, depending on who you are, because then whatever your situation, you can understand where the other person's coming from, but also 
put your best self forward, which is going to make a difference in the world, which I guess is kind of ultimately what we're trying to do here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we want to make a difference. And, and I think that points back to the why behind what I do is I really wanted to live a life of meaningfulness, of one of making a difference, of one of positively impacting others, especially youth. And so that's what gives me joy is, you know, supporting a group out of Uganda, like the Queen of Katwe project, which I don't know if you've heard of the Disney movie called the Queen of Katwe, but it's an amazing true life story of this group out of the slums of Uganda, where a gentleman comes out of the slum, becomes an engineer and goes back in to impact the youth he, where he came from. And he ends up using sports like soccer and he uses the game of chess and true story gets told globally in many ways by, by Disney, those are the kinds of things that I love to see. And we love to support projects like that. You know, we've donated to that project many times to support them with our time and tools and resources you see. And so to me, it's, it's a broad picture, right? There's what 7 billion plus people on this planet already. Why don't we want to make it a better place for everyone? Why not take a game like the game of chess? And if you can use it in a healthy way to build healthy mindsets of success, why wouldn't we? Especially when it's such a low cost endeavor, right? A chessboard in pieces costs so little. And in fact, uh, in some of the preschool projects that we've done, where we introduce the game of chess, three, four, and early five-year-olds, uh, we make resources available to those families where they could, worst case, print out a chessboard and make their own pieces. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you really need very little to, to do it. And uh, speaking of that, about uh, global aspect, you know, something I love about the game, and I'm sure this is true, I'm, I know it to be true as well in music and other areas, is how you can cross cultures and cross language barriers through mediums like this. You know, I've played chess with many people in different languages. I couldn't speak their language, but we felt like we were friends who could talk over the chessboard. You know, just like playing music together and, and uh, playing the game together. So I think there's additional benefits to games like this to be used in the educational space. Yeah. I think something you touched on there, I think is really powerful because there's, there's kind of like an inner knowledge and understanding, isn't there that I might not be able to talk to you in your, in your native tongue, but mm -hmm. we know what we're trying to do. I understand where your mind yes. is going and what you're trying to, to create here. And I'm, and I'm, I'm doing the same. And there's something about, I don't know whether it's almost like a spiritual connection, but it, it's something which is above and beyond that who we are here, because th th there's a connection and an understanding, yes, which 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 is 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 world leading and world changing. I think, and you know, certainly in the in current global times, that's the kind of thing we want to be sharing and supporting. Totally, totally agree. In in some ways, it's its own language, right? Because it's a medium of communication. And, you know, locally, I was working in a school where they've integrated our tools and, and we had 15 teachers, majority had never played chess before, didn't even know the names of the pieces and we trained them and they brought chess to almost 200 students in this school. Well, this was half the school. The other half of the school was uh, another group that was, you know, rarely connected with this 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 half, right? Two schools in one. And what was fascinating is near the end of the season, we took the 200 students who had learned to play chess and were experienced the game and its benefits, and we matched them up with the other classrooms in the other half. And for an experience, they brought them, we brought them all together and the 200 helped the other 
half of the school all learned chess in 90 minutes. And they went through all this fun games and stations. And at the end of it, every single kid played chess together. And they were paired classroom on one side who had experienced already with a classroom that had not. And they had an absolute blast, well over 300 kids, you know, experiencing this. But here's what was fascinating. On the shared playground, the very next weeks, teachers reported seeing conversations between students that never occurred the whole year because they were in their own areas. But now they suddenly had a commonality, something they did together. And they said it was amazing to see kids from one background partnering up with kids from another background and having these conversations on the playground. And so it's fascinating to see how in a microcosm, you can see that bridge build locally. And then you can take it to what we were talking about, even right globally, students from different countries or like with all the, yes, the strife going on right now in Eastern European areas and, and such, right? When you have sports teams that then appreciate each other and can build bridges, I think that can help when we see our commonality as opposed to our differences. Yeah, absolutely. And and just on a sort of a, a practical level, if you know, if there's someone listening who's like, I've been looking for something, I know this is what I want to spend my time and and finding a way to support. Mm-hmm. How how do they go about getting involved in terms of sort of what their next steps are and and exactly what they would need to do to be involved? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a great way to get involved or to learn more is simply to go visit our website and our YouTube channel. I love to post stuff on YouTube that are free resources. And we got many links to free resources that educators can download, parents can download, people can learn the game. There's no cost necessary really to learn the game and the basics of it. And so they can learn a lot more by visiting the Chess for Life YouTube channel, visiting Chess for Life, our chess number four life life.com our website our facebook page right connecting this way and even uh, the book i mentioned upon's journey i was not a writer by trade did, didn't like to write but felt something had to be written at some point to share how chess actually can transform so many lives and so it's a collection really of student stories that are woven into a fun novel so you don't have to play chess at all to enjoy the book but see how this can do. So that's just one aspect of many where people can make a difference is connecting that way and and then seeing where it leads. My hope is to inspire uh, others and educators and teachers to join this mission of reaching a million youth a week with life skills through the game. And then ultimately that is simply a starting point for the rest of the world. And you you mentioned, and and your passion comes through really strongly in terms of of these important teachers and, and people that are helping children. So what was funny about, about your school experience and is there a teacher you remember and why? And from our conversation earlier, I think this isn't necessarily the traditional <laughs> approach that maybe people will be expecting. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you for asking that. And it's so funny too, because being involved in education all over and yet my experience was homeschool education where I was enrolled in a school, I got my full high school diploma through completely correspondence school. And so you could say, who were my teachers? Well, my teachers were my parents in one respect. Another aspect was simply my teachers were the books and the textbooks that I used because I was before the video school and the, and the digital technology you have today. It came with good and it came with challenge, right? If you have questions about some things, who do you ask? Well, no one except your parents in that case for me, right? The benefit of a teacher who can help a person who's interested in learning is tremendous, So, but talking about this, so I have two, right? My mom and my dad, in many ways, they were my teachers and I learned a lot from them. 
and I learned a lot from the courses. But some of the things that I would say stood out to me in this was simply a few things from my dad, which would influence anybody, whether you go to regular school or not, I think, is your parents have a tremendous influence. And my dad would say things like, if you're going to do it at all, if it's worth doing it all, it's worth doing it to the best of your abilities. So don't do anything halfway. And they gave us principles like this to live by. And I think that was key to it. And then also the principle of prioritization. You might enjoy something, but if you have responsibility, do your responsibility first, take the reward later. So when I studied chess, I loved the game. But even being homeschooled, I always completed my homeschool requirements first, which led me to getting up at 4 a.m., <laughs> getting my homeschool out of the way so I could do go do my chess study, which was my passion. You see, so that's just an aspect of how they influenced my life tremendously. And uh, but talking on the subject of, you know, teachers influencing, I have to say a teacher is such a powerful influence long term. The difficulty is for teachers, you don't always see it short term. <laughs> but down the road, it's incredible to see the impact that your choice has and how you are mentoring the youth that come through your your program. Yeah, that ripple effect is really key, isn't it? And it's amazing on yeah. the podcast, we hear these conversations of, of people who've met their teachers years after or yes. you know, they can remember so vividly <laughs> a moment or a situation that's made them feel something. It's incredible. Um, I mean, you've mentioned a few incredible bits of advice there as well, but is there another piece of advice that you were given that was impactful or maybe now looking back a piece of advice you'd give your younger self which I always slightly caveat with the fact that when we're young we might not take it on board but if you don't hear it you don't know how that's the key. <laughs> uh, you know absolutely when I when I think about this topic of you know this question of the advice or you know advice I wished I had had perhaps back back in the day and you know, advice I would give myself or or these areas it's incredible it's it's actually difficult for me to answer it because there was something I learned pretty early on which might be some of the best advice that I could share to someone else is I earned this in my I learned this lesson in my late teens I was a novice at so many things right learning life and going through it but someone made the comment every person you meet has something incredibly invaluable about them, some unique ability that if you can learn it, you will have discovered or unlocked a treasure trove of wisdom. And I'm putting it in different words than it was said to me, but that was the essence of it. And starting when I was a late teenager, I made a point of if I was impressed by someone in some way, I would get over my innate shyness that I had, because I was rather a timid person at the time and an introvert, if you can believe it. <laughs> but I would hand sweating, feeling afraid of the conversation. If I was impressed by someone, I would force myself to go say hi. And then I would just ask a little question if possible, and I would get to know them a couple of questions. Then I would simply ask, you know, would you be willing to take a few minutes now or another time doesn't matter. I would love to learn about your story of how you achieved and I would fill in the blank of what I had observed about them. And it led to incredible conversations. You know, going downtown Seattle, Washington, ending up in a high rise, following this address to go meet a person who it turned out had started a global import export textiles company. <laughs> and I just met him at a trust tournament and was kind of impressed by him and started asking questions like, hey, come meet me someday. Let's chat. You see, 
And getting over that fear was an absolute amazing skill I learned early on as I pursued that bit of advice about learning from everyone. And I believe it is so true. I believe every single person we meet has some unique ability, some God-given ability, something that's a talent, a natural. And if you can discover it and develop it, it's incredible. And now if you can learn from others and put them together, it's one of the reasons I, I love, again, doing what I do. Because I think so many of the youth that we meet are feeling beaten down, are told they can't, are told they, you know, they have a failure mindset being pushed into them because of the trouble in our world when there's unique greatness in every one of them. And I love to see those light bulbs come on as kids discover that they can and that it's really up here. It's a mindset more than an ability. I love that. And I, I think... I think I think the biggest thing I find encouraging is the fact that you never know what that next conversation is. And as long as you said, it comes back to that strength, you know, as long as you can be the one that says hello and then take yes. that forward, then then the world is your oyster. And th th there's something quite important, I think, about that, having that fearless idea of being able to do that and also having the the understanding that you don't know where it's going to go you know there's no preconceived ideas you don't know anything but if, you, right. if you're drawn to the fact that i'm going to say hello to this person because i feel there's a reason right. to do it then then everything just becomes very exciting then and like i say that does change the overall perspective of how you believe life is and, and actually what is possible absolutely you know being outward focused others focused instead of inward focused makes such a dramatic difference. If you're curious and ask questions, right, as opposed to focus on yourself, you can also get over this stage fright or fear of other things because you're not looking at yourself, you're looking at others. And so having those kinds of mindsets, I think are just fundamental, valuable skills. And, you know, once again, how much is our society building this right now? Are we intentional about these things? You know, I'm, I'm, I'll even digress again a moment here, if you don't mind. But I think about how the world has changed with technology in our lifetime, right? I still think of myself as pretty young, yet early on when I was growing up, we had no cell phones. Yet who doesn't have a computer to their head now on their phone, <laughs> right? And how has it changed and dramatically taken away jobs and careers and changed things to new careers? And so I think it's so critical that our youth are growing up with this ability to make good decisions, problem solve, and collaborate together much more than just have knowledge. And what, how amazing it is to use a fun game like chess and other skills and other areas to build those kinds of skills. Yeah, so so incredibly important. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, there's always a resource which has a big impact, and that can be anything, especially these days, for a book, a video, a podcast, or even a song. Um, is there one that you'd like to share with us? <laughs> wow. Now, I'm a reader. I love learning. I love books. I love to, I've read hundreds and hundreds of books. You know, you talked earlier about a bit of advice for your younger self. There was, you know, now that we talk about it, there was a second bit of advice that I took to heart, and it was along this line. Leaders are readers. And the influences, the books you read, the people you associate with will determine who you are in the next five years. And I took that to heart and I made a commitment again in my teens to learning, reading intentionally at least 15 minutes a day, no matter how tired I was. 
I haven't done that every day all the way along, but I've made it a consistent, regular part of my learning. So when you ask, you know, a favorite book or such, there's, there's so many things. And I would almost talk more about what's impacting me now. I would say with my growing up in a Christian home, the Bible has tremendously influenced. If you read through books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and timeless wisdom and, and worldviews and, and the many, many aspects of it. There's a huge amount of wisdom in the world's best-selling book for, for how many hundreds of years, right? And then when you uh, look at different books and tools that focus upon mindset, books like How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, uh, again, a, a bestseller for, what, 100 plus years maybe? You know, there's there's pearls of wisdom that you can glean from those. And that one was huge. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living was big in my life. Um you know, as, a, as an executive now and as such effective executive by Peter Drucker and things like this, but all of them, I think, boil down into something here, which I would like to share. When I read a book, I had read so many books that had great wisdom, but wisdom or knowledge not applied is a waste. So the key that I do these days is whenever I'm reading something, I'm saying, what is the one thing that I can apply now? that will make a change and make a difference. Otherwise I've just heard it and it's gone or it's heard. How do I put this into tangible aspect? There's even a book titled my one thing about focusing upon that one thing to me, my one thing from any book I read, any podcast I listen to any information, any person I meet, what is the one thing that I will do differently because of this conversation? Even today's chat right now, Right. I learn new things from meeting you and even the conversation we're having. And I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. Thinking about the world in another aspect and thinking about the music piece and thinking about even more so about the bridging of cultures through the game. Right. What's the one thing I can take away? And so that would be my the, the, the piece of advice I would be giving here. And even though I've mentioned a few resources, uh, there's, like I said, hundreds of them. But if the mindset is what's the one action, then it becomes actual change. Yeah, I mean, and that's absolute gold, because otherwise, it's very easy to feel like I need to read all these books and learn all of this wisdom. And then I can start yeah. doing x, y, and yeah. z. Whereas that kind of sense that there's so much stuff out there. And all I need yeah. to know is what my next step is, which like you say, if you've got a Correct. one piece, you're going to do it then all of a sudden we're back to that thing about excitement again. We're back to that feeling yeah. that you're living your life because your your path is going to be different to all those people that you've read and all the people that you're going to meet as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually just like playing a chess game. You have the goal. You know, as a chess master, I think about my strategy and my position, my long-term goals. But once I have the, the vision of where I'm trying to go and the series of maybe of milestones along the way to that ultimate goal of checkmate, it boils down to what's the next move, the next step that will move me towards that goal. And every day, every move, every position shifts and you reevaluate in light of it. But it's making progress rather than focusing upon perfection. Just what's the next piece of progress? I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's uh, it makes me very excited about these conversations because, you know, on the face value, you know, we talk about so many things on Education on Fire 
but the reality is we kind of talk about the same thing and it, and it's all these things you know what can i take out of it what's making people tick what's going to help them yeah. do that thing know themselves more um and that's the essence of everything yeah. so it, it just finally brings me to you know we talk about fire a lot here in terms of feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment so out of those four things what just strikes you straight off the bat you know i love that f-i-r-e the r the resilience jumps out to me because in this age of playing computer games where oh bad just restart quit no consequences for these choices i feel that it is a key skill that is lacking development in so many youth the resilience the willingness to fail like i mentioned earlier about fail as the acronym for first attempt in learning right the willingness as we say win draw or i mentioned earlier learn the mindset of embracing that aspect because without failure most people are not going to succeed if you avoid failure you're actually avoiding success nobody achieves in life without experiencing challenges and failures along the way it's almost trite to talk about the michael jordans and how many you know championship shots they missed you know about a tiger woods golfing and and the thousands of hours and bloody blistered hands of his effort going into it right myself i like to tell the story i played my first tournament and i did not win that tournament but i enjoyed the game and so i committed to studying that whole next year and I came back and guess what happened? I did not win, <laughs> you know, and that repeated itself four years before I won my first tournament. So learning early on and developing in youth a resilience that allows them to learn from their failures and experiences, I think is absolutely essential. And so giving them that gift is the first one that just jumps out of the four you mentioned as a key one to build in our youth yeah i love it for all those reasons you said and uh such an important factor i think when we put it in context like that as well so elliot thank you so much indeed just remind us again of, of the website address and as you mentioned the youtube as well because i think there'll be so many people just literally clicking straight through, straight through to find out <laughs> love to love to absolutely chess for life with the number four in the middle so the game of chess the number four the word l-i-f-e life chessforlife.com youtube channel you can google it chess for life youtube uh, my name elliot neff it sounds like ness in the u.s sometimes they say like the untouchables right but uh <laughs> but elliot neff is is my name and you can google myself also i've put a, quite a few videos to just create resources for for people all over and, you know, I would I would like to just say thank you, Mark, for having me on. And to everyone out there, if you think you can, you absolutely can. So when are you going to join the fun journey of using the game of chess as a metaphor for life? Fantastic. Elliot, thank you so much. And I wish you every success with your goal. And I think it's not really the one you spoke about. I think it's the ones after that, which I can always I can already see and, and, and hear you gaming for. So, yeah, thank you so much indeed. It's been a pleasure, Mark. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. 
Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.